AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the MMQB Week in Review podcast. I'm Mitch Goldich, joined by Jenny Varentis and Albert Breer. We've often joked about how earlier in the summer this podcast was not every week, but most weeks and sometimes infrequently. Well, we're back after a little bit of a break. It's been a couple weeks since we did this. There was one week we took off. There was one week I interviewed Kaylin Kaler about her story on KGB at the MMQB. But we're back. We've got most of the gang. No Connor Orr, but three of us are here. Jenny Albert, how you guys doing? Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Mitch. Good. Hey, Mitch. It's nice. We have like a little reunion here. It's yeah, like it's been uh, a while for me. We say what time we're going to start the podcast, and then we hang out and talk and catch up for 15 minutes while our producer Shelby just patiently waits for us to get going <laughs> with the program here. But uh, good to see you guys in the Zoom screen. Good, good to see you match. guys too. So, for those of you who are new to this podcast, uh, this we call it our week in review, and it basically starts as an opportunity to just talk about some of our stories that are up at the MMQB this week, some of the things we've been writing, and then because the summer has been so weird in this country, it's turned into a thing where we talk about what we've been up to 
and uh, it started as books and movies and TV shows and things to fill our time, and then it turned into activities and arts and crafts and all kinds of things, but we always enjoy just going around the horn and talking about things we've been doing since we were last all together. So, Jenny, why don't you go first? Why don't you uh, give us a, a, a little slice of your week so far? Well, I went home to visit my parents last week. That was my big venture, so I tried to self-isolate for about two weeks ahead of time didn't go to the grocery store for 10 days or so and then made the trip home to Pennsylvania um and you know tried to wear a mask when I went on walks with my dad and tried to stay as distant as I could it's hard in a house I mean better than a New York apartment I suppose but uh but yeah it was good to to see my parents and you know it's just weird these days I didn't hug them um when I came back, I was panicked for five days if, you know, I potentially brought something home to them. Um, but, you know, it was nice to, f- to get that time. That was the first time I'd seen them since the pandemic came to the U.S. So it was uh, it was much needed visit. So that was my uh, my highlight of the week. What was what was it like there? Because obviously it's way different than where you live, you know, like way more sparsely populated and everything else. Like, what, like how different was it for you to get out of the city and go to a place like that? Yeah, I mean, so I didn't see much, right? I kind of went to their house and I stayed there. But uh, yeah, they live in State College, Pennsylvania. So it's going to be interesting, I think, when the students come back, which I believe Mm -hmm. is still the latest plan is for the students to come back uh, when the school year begins. So I did kind of want to go now because I think that there's going to be problems in a lot of college towns where there's not a lot of outside traffic. The case numbers have been really low in Center County because it's kind of an isolated place. Um, But yeah, when the students convene from all over the state, all over the country, all over the world, um, I'm interested to see what happens and if they still go forward with that plan. Um, But you know, I went for walks with my dad. It's everyone's kind of spread apart. It's like in New York, if you go for a walk, you have to wear a mask because you pass so many other people, you're in your building. State college people were just kind of like on their own. You don't really get close to anyone. So no one was really wearing masks on their walks, but but I was because I was next to my dad and I was still nervous. But um, so yeah, it was just like a more spread out, spaced out situation. And uh, you know, my, my, our neighbor brought over fresh uh, grown lettuce from his garden. His garden has really flourished during the pandemic. So he brings over lettuce and tomatoes to my parents once or twice a week. So that was nice too. I bet a lot of people, their gardens are flourishing. That's a, a great <laughs> stay-at-home activity when you can't yeah. go anywhere else. Yeah. Um, and that's good. You uh, brought your New York attitude out to State College wearing the mask. A good role model. Hopefully, <laughs> we, we need that. We don't travel too far, but if you are going to travel, it's nice if that just kind of rubs off on people. Because totally. wearing a mask is important, and we all feel that way. Yes. Albert, how about you? What have you been up to? Yeah, so you guys know I was on vacation for the last few weeks, and I uh, this is my first full week back. Um but I had a, uh, yeah, I, I like, I, I would, like, I, the one thing I will say, like, in, in, you know, going to, we go to Nantucket every year for a couple of weeks. Um, the people there took it very, very, very seriously. And I think a huge part of it is there's like a, I think the community there, like, it's A, they're an island. So if, if, if it get if somebody gets it, like, it, it'd be really, really, like, if there's an outbreak, it'd be really bad. And then the second part of it is so much of their, you know, commerce is over the summer and, you know, the restaurants and all, yeah, all of that. And so, you know, I think that, like, it was really interesting to see how when you walked into town there, right? Like, and so there's like a town and then it's like more sparsely populated once you get out of town. But 
in town, there are signs everywhere that say mask zone. And this isn't inside stores, right? So what I'm used to living in my suburb here outside of Boston, at like you, it's like Jenny said, like you wear your mask, like everyone's wearing masks in the stores. Everybody's wearing masks when you go grocery shopping, when you're inside anywhere, like when you're inside any public area, you wear a mask. But, you know, because you're in the suburbs, if you go for a walk, you might not be wearing one. And that's not the way it was in Nantucket at all. Like in, the, in town in Nantucket, like there were signs everywhere that said mask zone and everyone followed it. And I thought that that was really interesting because it's sort of, I think it was like an acknowledgement that that community would really be devastated if there was an outbreak over the summer there. And you sort of like, it's sort of like kind of like crystallizes the, the impact this has on everybody. And you know, like there was the, the, the newspaper there in town I was reading a story and there had been like a small outbreak because they had people coming in from different parts of the country and everything else. There'd been a small outbreak in one of the restaurants and in this newspaper, the, the restaurant closed, right? And had to close for, I think, 14 days. And um, the restaurant, like, you know, I, I, the, the, they didn't name the restaurant in the story because they didn't want to damage the restaurant's business. And then they had quotes from other restaurants in the area. And, um, you know, like a lot of these managers were saying, if we have to go take out again, like half of us are going to go out of business. It was just so interesting to see, you know, like a place where, you know, we've all, you know, I think we've all tried to do our part in helping, you know, the small businesses and everything in our areas. And I think we all know like that restaurants are really in a critical spot right now. It's really hard for them. It was just interesting going to a place where so much of the commerce in a small area is based on things like that, how low the margins are and how if everybody doesn't do their part, the restaurant can do everything responsible. But if everybody else doesn't do their part, it could literally put some of these people out of business. So, I mean, I think it's sort of like one of my big takeaways, I think from that vacation in general, and like when I look back on it, it's gonna be like how it really did feel like that entire community is pulled together and everybody's trying to be as responsible as they possibly can. And not only responsible for yourself, but responsible for everyone else as well. Yeah, it's been really devastating reading some of these articles, uh, you know, and I live in New York now too, but the New York Times has had all kinds of articles about just these restaurants and small businesses that have been open for 30, 50, 80 years, and they're just not going to survive the coronavirus. And just hearing that is so sad and seeing not just individual businesses, but the larger like character of the city and just how much things are going to change in certain neighborhoods and areas. And it's just awful. I'm, you know, <laughs> there's so much bad news every day about things we're going through now and the lasting effects of this time are going to go on for yeah. forever. And you know what, like, it's just sort of like, it kind of brought to life too, like what the NFL is facing. I mean, if we want to bring this to what, we're, what we cover here, I mean, it's, you can do everything. And I think the NFL's done like a pretty good job. Like, the protocols are pretty good, I think, you know, but if you're not going to be in a bubble, um, then, you know, you can, and look like number one is like all of these guys being responsible and not doing dumb, sh dumb stuff. You know what I mean? Like, like, but there's another part of it that you just can't control, you know, like in that, um, some of these guys, players and coaches are going to have kids going back to school. And some of these you know, players and coaches are going to have spouses that are going back to work. And so there's a lot of this that's just sort of out of everybody's control, you know? And so that's why it's like, and it's again, like just seeing this like kind of way that everybody was trying to do their part when I was on vacation, it's like, like, you know, it's just everybody, like, I just think that that, like when you see that, it's just, I think it's a good sign of the strength of a community when people are just, trying to do everything they can to minimize the chance that something out of everybody's control happens. 
Yeah, it and you're totally. Oh, oh, go ahead, Mitch. Sorry, no, I was gonna say you're totally right. So many people, when they think about possible issues with NFL players, they think about the 23 year olds who are millionaires for the first time and are and have waited their whole lives to go out and spend money and party and whatever. And you're totally right. There are so many of these guys who they have kids at schools and and spouses with jobs and all kinds of things. And you know, it's not just a matter of certain like a small number of players being irresponsible. Like some of them are in situations where they literally that you know they they can't do anything. That you know they have uh, you know if if schools are open and kids have to go to school, that's uh, you know that's one thing. And it's it's not like just the the issue of the players possibly acting irresponsibly it's about their families and some of them live with older relatives and it's just you know there are so many issues that so many of these people and maybe i'm <laughs> just jaded by idiots on twitter uh <laughs> spouting off about things but like there are so many issues that a lot of people just aren't thinking about that they have to deal with as just normal human beings like the rest of us yeah, I think Sean Payton distilled it down pretty well. I mean, you can put plexiglass between lockers, you can distance in the cafeteria, but for two and a half hours, you're going to be in close proximity on the football field. So I think all of the protocols that they have in the facility are great, but, you know, there's a point where, it, you know, you can't maintain the, that same kind of distance. So I, I kind of... I kind of looked at the plexiglass thing, for instance. You know, I think the Lions put that out and like, okay, that's a great physical barrier in place. But then when these guys are out on the practice field, it kind of goes out the window. So Yeah, and it's going to be interesting, too, because I I think, like, we looked at the Marlins situation, and I guess we're going to get into that with you with Mitch, because Mitch was sort of like, I guess Mitch inadvertently was like sort of in the teeth of that, right? Um, But, yeah, like the Marlins situation, like I – that's why I've said like a few times in a few different places this week. Like I, I, I don't think it's the NFL learns so much about go what like went into it because and and like it sounds like there was a little like jackassery involved there too, like stuff that they shouldn't have been not doing. But I think the NFL probably in all sports leagues probably learned more coming out of it. Like how quickly can the Marlins contain this? How quickly can the Marlins get back on the field? What sort of havoc does this wreak, wreak on the schedule? Like, I think that that's probably the better learning tool for all these sports leagues. It's not like how it happened with the Marlins, because to some degree, some of this stuff is going to happen. I think it's more like, okay, like now it happened. How do you come out of it? Yeah. So I guess we can move right in. Uh, We were going to talk about what I've been up to. Uh, I actually, (laughs) I went to a live sporting event uh, a week ago today, last Friday, uh, which is something that I maybe at one point thought I would not do at all uh, the rest of the year 2020. But yeah, I went to the Phillies home opener against the Marlins on Friday night, and then they played two more games, and those are the only three games either of those teams have played as they've paused their seasons because the Marlins had an outbreak, and then the Phillies have had people test positive as well. So the Phillies' future series got uh, po- not canceled, postponed, because they're it's possible they're going to make them up with double headers. But I mean, who knows? They have so many issues with scheduling. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was a very interesting experience. So I, I grew up outside Philly. I, you know, we talk about the Eagles all the time. Uh, but you know, I, and I've been a Phillies season ticket holder, so I've been to a, a bunch of Phillies home openers in that ballpark, and so thought it would be interesting to go and just see what it was like a game in a totally empty stadium and draw on some of my experiences from past traditions the Phillies have had on opening day and uh you know times I've been in that park and just wrote about it and you know it was it was very weird uh 
being in an empty ballpark, and I'm not alone, you know, a, <clears throat> a million people have now written that story from various parks across the country, but it was, uh, it was just very interesting to see it, and I'm sure baseball and football are different, and so the experience of seeing a game with no fans will be different, but it was definitely very weird just being in an empty uh, ballpark and, and watching a game there. And, uh, you know, I'm glad I had that experience and got to see it. You know, we were uh, basically confined to the press box, which was open air and socially distant. They had us, uh, everyone in assigned seats, two seats away from uh, the next person over. And they had X's of tape on the table so you don't get too close. And everyone had their masks on for most of the game unless, you know, take it off to take a quick sip of water or whatever. Um and then, no, we didn't come anywhere close. Like, people were asking me because the Marlins tested positive. You know, were you talking? Like, no, I wasn't in any clubhouse or anything, and I didn't see any player or staff or whatever. They had post-game availability over Zoom, everyone in the press box uh, pulling up Zoom to do the interviews. So, you know, I feel safe. I did. I got tested after the game. I haven't gotten my results back yet, which is a whole other story. Um, but, you know, I, I felt like it was safe to go or else I wouldn't have gone. And I did think they did a good job. You know, I got a temperature scan on my way in and sat basically, you know, socially distanced away from people watching the game in front of me. Um, but, yeah, just it's, it's, a, it's a very weird experience um, being in an empty stadium and watching a baseball game. What was the weirdest thing about it? Um, I mean, the, the, well, the weirdest thing was the Jumbotron putting up make some noise graphics. <laughs> that was the lead of my story. Yeah, I saw you tweeted that. Like, like, why did, like, why did they do that? Like, was right. it just... I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it was the seventh inning. And they didn't do that the whole game. But I saw that. That was the moment that it hit me. Like, what the hell are we doing here? Like, who is that for? And so yeah. that, you know, you're sitting there. And you guys know this feeling sitting there and you've you've got observations and anecdotes and you're like, well, what's like my story? And I saw that and I was like, that's the first sentence of my story. Yeah. It just has to be. So that was the weirdest thing. But I mean, it was just obvious how low energy it was. You know, usually the home team is down by two runs in the eighth inning and the tying run comes up to the plate and opening day, it's a sellout. and You've got rally towels and it was just, you know, it was just quiet and empty and so I actually I wrote a little bit about how everyone's calling the 60 game season a sprint and it is but I wrote about how for the players it's still going to be a grind and it's still 60 games in 66 days and there's no crowd energy to feed off of and it's still you know for being empathetic for these players it's going to be long and a, a kind of a grueling experience for them they're still traveling and getting tested and worrying about all kinds of things so that was one of the things that I wrote about and how the grind of the season can be even tougher when you're just playing night after night in an empty ballpark. Yeah, yeah we're, even... we're recording Friday morning. Brewers Cardinals game has been postponed as well because of a positive test. So yeah, yeah. I I, uh, I was sort of wondering about that too, Mitch, because I, I like sort of like thought like, what can I compare this to, right? And I remember covering like high school sports, and so I was like, is this like high school baseball? But at least when you like we're covering a high school baseball game, you're like right there. So you at least get the energy of like the players talking to each other. And, you know, like there's like a di- it's not like the energy of being in a 40,000 seat ballpark, but like there was at least that energy. That- so it's just like I, like I sort of like, like, where is there anything coming? Like, it's just like I guess from a reporting standpoint, at least it would seem like it would be like almost completely sterile like which is really weird yeah and well the marlins dugout actually did bring it like and we were people were talking about it in the press box friday night the marlins were loud and they were cheering their teammates and hollering and everything and the phillies were more quiet and then the stories came out on sunday that the phillies were concerned watching this knowing that the marlins had positive tests 
And, you know, it's impossible to totally socially distance, but there were supposed to be protocols to be away from each other in dugouts, and they have temporary seating in the stands for people, and and staff's supposed to have masks on, and apparently the Phillies were looking out at the Marlins like, hey, shouldn't they be doing a better job of this? So on Friday, the handful of people I was near in the press box were watching it like, oh, that's pretty cool. They're into the game. This does feel like, you know, college, college World Series or whatever, cheering on teammates, and then (laughs) looking back, it's like, you know, it, it, it's a little bit, uh, you know, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth knowing, like, well, maybe they should have been farther apart and, uh, you know, not screaming and everything. And I don't know. The whole thing is it's just complicated. There's so many layers to everything. I will say, though, the one thing we've talked about, Albert, I know you've said NFL teams want to push the schedule back. It is interesting to see how baseball, they're now canceling games and having to reschedule. And maybe there is a big benefit to starting the season on time in case you have to. Yeah. Uh, you know, reschedule games later and then you can extend the season and make it longer. I know the NFL, it's mm-hmm. a much trickier puzzle with uh, teams and rematches and, and uh, common opponents and things like that. Yeah. But it, it does show you that there is benefit to if, you know, if the goal is to play as many games as you can, just play games when you can. And then you might have to fill in more games later. So I thought that was interesting. Like, so I, like Oklahoma, I think has been and I think Lincoln Riley and Oklahoma have been very, very responsible. Right. Way so way more so than the other school in their state. And, um, you know, like I, so they had a hundred, I think it was 130, whatever it was, 138 COVID tests, zero positives in their football program the other day. And um, the one thing that they did that I thought was interesting, because you saw the SEC is pushing the start of their schedule back, right? Like to the end of September, Oklahoma actually took its opener and moved it up a week because they want the extra week to like kind of move around potentially, which I thought was an interesting move where it's like, it's like, I think what you're talking about there, Mitch, which is like, we want the extra dates. We want to stretch our season out over a longer period of time. So we have more time to work with, which theoretically, I guess the NFL would have because they could move the Super Bowl to any of those Sundays in February. Yeah. Just the trouble is it's hard to start early because they're already talking about ramping up and they're oh yeah no no no. the nfl and, did that I mean, that ship they can't, is long they can't move sailed. up but i'm, I'm just that saying even sailed. in general people are concerned about week one right and i mean we're also we're seeing a rash of pitcher injuries in baseball and so many guys because they had the layoff mm-hmm. and i know people are concerned that football is gonna have the same thing so the the argument to push back week one a lot of that is for player health and safety even not related to covid and you know, if the argument is COVID is a good reason to keep it at week one, there are other reasons to push it back. And it's just, you know, you're between a rock and a hard place. Sure. All right. Albert, why don't we talk about one of your stories from this week? Uh, you wrote a few. Good to have you back, by the way. I know a lot of people have been joking about the whole pandemic and how they don't know what day of the week it is because every day is the same. And I've been saying I haven't really had that problem because I edit your columns on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and it helps <laughs> keep me anchored. And I, I don't know why I'm telling the story out loud, but I did say this to my wife and at some point in the middle of your vacation i was like man i've become one of those people who doesn't know what day of the week it is i need albert to come back to help keep me uh balanced and centered because i there was a day i was like i i don't know if it's wednesday or thursday because i you know and normally i would edit a mailbag or a game plan so anyway good to have you back today is friday um i think you want to talk about your game plan story where you talk to marquise goodwin who we've seen a, a lot of players, I think more players than many people may, may have expected, who have already made the decision to opt out of the season. And you talked to Marquise Goodwin about it. And what was interesting to me is that actually we've talked about how, oh, it's such a tough decision for these guys. And it sounded like it wasn't that tough of a decision for him. No. And so why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about that uh, that interview? Yeah. So I like I just sort of like, 
like earlier in the week, I you know you you see the names come out, and I just I figured there'd be uh, I wanted to get somebody who was the name that that people knew, but I also wanted somebody who had a story that would sort of I think like illustrate what he, what what some of these guys are facing and the decisions that they're making. And um, you know, Marquise was a good one just because of he and his wife have been through a lot, and so um, you know they uh, you know he. I think he's taken uh, COVID pretty seriously all the way through and they have to because um, he and his wife and his wife was an elite athlete too, was um, I think like, and this is, this, this is what, this is what only happens in a sport like track, a nine time all American at the university of Texas um, in track. She she was, so she was an incredible like athlete as well. Obviously I think most people know uh, Marquise was actually an Olympian too in the long jump. And so, um, so, you know, like they, they're very healthy people, uh, you know, and, but they've had a lot of issues, um, over the last few years, um, they've lost three babies and, um, you know, and, uh, a, a son in 2017 and then, um, and then twins in, um, in 2018. And so, um, they have a five month old now. And I think just sort of the story was that over the course of the off season, it, you know, the idea of just rolling through COVID was sort of a non-starter for him. But in March and April, it was sort of still seemed to them, he and his wife, like this far off thing. And I think, you know, his attitude, his his feeling on it was probably reflective of a lot of the country. Like, this is really terrible now, but we're going to get through it. Once football season gets here, we're going to be ready to go. And so March, April, they're monitoring what goes on, what's going on, but he's getting ready to play his first season with the Eagles. He'd just been traded there from San Francisco. And, um, you know, as, as April became May and May became June, now all of a sudden you're start, he starts to look at it and says, okay, well, what do we do? And he and his wife got to the point where they were talking about it pretty much daily. And, you know, I, I think before they'd really – had an idea like like gotten from the union what their options would be um they had sort of made the decision it just isn't going to work for us because we've already lost so much and we have a baby and we have a little daughter at home and it's just not worth it to us to put her at any sort of risk or put any of our family members at any sort of risk um and so before the actual opt-out was offered um they had sort of made the decision like we can't take that risk and you know, then, you know, I, I know Marquise was on um, all of the NFLPA calls over the last few weeks. And, and by the time they got to the end of it, um, you know, it was like you said, Mitch, just the, the decision was academic. It was we're going to take the opt out um, and he loves football. He still wants to play football, but to him, it just wasn't worth it. And I think you'll find with a lot of the guys who opted out, um, you know, there are, there are, there, 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 there may be a newborn involved. There may be an underlying condition involved, but with a lot of them, these are very serious decisions. And I, and I think some of the reaction that, that Marquise got on Twitter from some fans was a little disheartening, but um, you know, I think one thing that one thing a lot of people don't realize about, I, I think a lot, one thing, one thing when people like look at like player X or player Y opting out, they just look at it and they say to themselves, well, like this guy, this guy's letting his teammates down. He's letting the fans down. Like they don't understand like how hard these decisions are and how hard it is to walk away from football for these guys. This isn't just a game for them. Like most of these guys have put on, put in 15, 20 years of work to get in the position that they're in. 
And so walking away is something they take very, very seriously. And so almost by definition, there has to be something very serious going on in their lives for them to take the measure of walking away from something that's a dream for so many of them. And so I thought it was, uh, you know, I'm really appreciative that he was willing to share his story because um, it is a very, very personal one. I think it's reflective of what we've seen with some of the other stories. You saw Marcus Cannon, of course, in New England. He's a cancer survivor. Um, Nate Solder, everybody knows the story about his his son and what his family's been through in New York. And so, um, yeah, I just thought it was important that these, uh, you know, I thought it was, it's great that he was willing to tell a story to us. And, you know, I think it's reflective of what, you know, a lot of players have wrestled with the last few weeks is, as some of these guys have tried to make decisions on whether they want to opt out or not. Yeah, along those lines about people saying you're letting your teammates down, I liked how Marquise told us about his conversations with Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson and just hearing about how supportive they were. And also that it's not like he's just quitting on them and they're never going to hear from him. Like he's still his contract tolls to next season and he still has the Eagles playbook. And I forget if he's going to sit in on yeah, meetings all, on meetings. all year. Like, yeah. I don't know if he's yeah, going to be yeah. like every week in the game, but he's like part of the team and he's going to be on the roster. He expects to be on the roster next year. He's not like they all understood the decision and that he's still part of the franchise. Yeah. And I thought it was really, to me, it was like, it was good to hear that Howie didn't try to talk him out of it, you know? And Mitch, you're an Eagles fan, so you know this. Like, like the whole idea of having, like, a speed receiver was a big deal for the Eagles this offseason, right? <laughs> it like, was. So, so they had a role <laughs> yeah. carved out for him. They trade for him. Um, and so this was, like, a point of emphasis. They drafted one, too, in Jalen Rager. And so I, I, it was cool to hear, like, that Howie didn't try to talk him out of it and that Doug Peterson – talked about his own, you know, beliefs on the, like, like his own faith and everything. I, I just thought like the fact that there wasn't somebody that tried to talk him out of it, I, I like, that's good too. You know what I mean? Cause they let that, they, 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 they made sure like, Hey, listen, dude, don't worry about us. We'll be fine. This is your decision. Yeah. And I will say as, as an Eagles fan, I was, I'm, I fully support him opting out. I, I support anyone who wants to be safe. And it was nice to hear that reaction from those guys. Cause you know, so many of these teams have so many issues behind the scenes. And a lot of times as a fan, you want, you want to be rooting for good people. And many of us are not in many sports, whether that's the players themselves or people in the front office. This, this, and you know, we never know the full story, but like, this was nice to hear. Like I was happy to hear that, uh, that the team was supportive and everything. And, um, and, you know, it's fine. Carson Wentz can throw to anybody, as we learned down the stretch last year. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I was happy to see it. And, um, you know, it, it seems like everyone handled it. And I think that's true around the league, too, that a lot of these teams seem to be, you know, they, they totally get it. Um, this is completely unprecedented, but it makes sense. And, uh, you know, everyone's dealing, dealing with it. And, you know, everyone's lives have changed the same way we all have. And everyone's watching the news and, and seeing. And, um, you know, I'm glad people are being smart. Yeah, it's going to be stressful for those who choose to play, you know, for a lot of different reasons. Among them that, like, there could be stops and starts in the season. We're seeing with, like, the Marlins and what baseball is going through, there's going to be difficult decisions along the way and changes in schedule. And so there's a whole additional roller coaster ride in, in, you know, along with the health concerns and the additional protocols so if you if you play this season you have no idea exactly like what that is going to entail in a lot of ways i think yeah i think that that probably played into the rash of patriots that walked away honestly jenny because i think that the 
a bunch of those guys like Hightower and Chung are probably the two best examples of it. But guys who have like one of them has a newborn, the other one has a kid in the way. They're in their 30s. They've made a ton of money. They've been responsible with their money and they have rings. Like you can certainly see where a guy would in that position would look at exactly what you're talking about, Jenny. Be like, hell with that. I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I'm good. Like I, like I'll come back and give it a try next year. Like I, I don't, I don't need to go through all of that. And I think that that's probably where, you know, like it's, it's like anything else. Like people who have financial security, who've reached a level, a certain level of accomplishment have more, I think, freedom to make decisions, um, you know, in situations like this. Yeah. I mean, that's always, there's going to be that gap, right? Yeah. And there are some people who feel like they can't opt out, but good for the union for negotiating a way that allows people to have this choice um, and be in a pretty good spot if you do, you know? Um, so I think that was a real, real positive way to kind of make sure that players have the choice. But yeah, I mean, if you're at the end of your career or you're a rookie, you don't feel like you have the same options probably. Um, but at least, you know, those who, at least some are exercising the option that is available to them. I, I will say this too. I think it's good that some guys like that were notable names, like, like a good one, other players have heard of him. Hightower, other players have heard of him. Nate Solder, other. Like, I think it was good that some of these guys made those decisions. Early. And I think Laurent Duvernay-Tardif above all of them because he's the one who's an actual doctor, right? Um, but I think all of them, like I think the fact that you had some big names come out early and do this, <clears throat> to me that was really good because it gave everyone else cover. You know what I mean? Like now that you've had some, like Dante Hightower is a freaking captain. You know what I mean? Like he's a captain of a three-time Super Bowl champion. So if there's some other guy in another place who isn't completely comfortable with it, like it's really hard to say, oh, you're letting your teammates down, dude, when there's somebody like Hightower over there who's opting out. So I think that that was one positive here is that some of these guys who are high profile making the decision quickly at least gave guys cover to think about it if they weren't comfortable with going forward with the season. Definitely. And also the – players high profile players supporting the guys who are doing it yeah like patrick mahomes coming out and saying that he supports tardif and then uh damian williams opted out and like the fact that the high profile guys who are playing are backing up that message and saying no they're not letting us down we're happy for them like that's mm -hmm. that's just as important because you know the guy who's a bigger name than Patrick Mahomes, you know, Tom Brady, sure. But like Patrick Mahomes coming out and supporting his teammate, that says a lot. And that echoes through 32 locker rooms saying, hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to support guys who make these decisions. And it also, it squares with the trend we've seen that so many guys are walking away from the game completely and retiring early for all kinds of reasons. So, you know, in that respect, it shouldn't be surprising how many guys are willing to take a year off in the middle of their career, because we are seeing that it, it is becoming more common for people who could physically play and would have a spot on a roster to decide, you know, hey, no thanks, I'm good for now. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> hey guys, it's Rich Davis from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance or any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew could stay connected. 
Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you could sit back and enjoy the wide open views with the whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter what your style, you could drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance... Stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my dance, <laughs> There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. So I'm going to take over the role of point guard briefly. <laughs> um, while we were on our break from the Weekend Review podcast, Mitch wrote his 2019-2020 NFL Octopus Awards and Year in Review. It was a big year for the octopus, Mitch. Um, big year for the octopus. <laughs> it made it all the way to a prop bet for the Super Bowl on if there would be an octopus in the game, which there was not. But this was a, a big moment in Super Bowl week when the octopus was featured on TV. It was being discussed as a bet for the game. Um, how do you remember when you first saw that? Or how do you remember feeling when you first saw that, Mitch? So, yeah, it was uh, it was a big moment. It was during Super Bowl 
media night. We were at, uh, of all places on Earth, we were at Marlins Park. Uh, we're talking about the Marlins a lot on this podcast. <laughs> oh, that, sounds like, that sounds like but, it was like 10 years ago now, doesn't sure it? Sure does. <laughs> but we were all at Marlins Park, and I got some tweets and texts, and they were like, Mitch, they're talking about <laughs> the octopus on the Daily Wager on ESPN. I don't think it was on ESPN proper. I think it was on one of their streaming channels or ESPN2 or something. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was. I'll just tell people it was on ESPN. But Sounds people started good to send, me. People started sending me screenshots, and it was like, they are talking about this on TV. And I was like, you know, I'm busy. I'm, I'm trying to talk to Harrison Butker here. Like, give me a mic. <laughs> I can't process all of this. Uh, I was tracking down both of the backup quarterbacks. Um, no, it was very exciting. I, get, I should probably back up and explain what the octopus is. Oh, uh, yeah, I gave for, a, I yeah, gave a poor intro. I just felt no, like it was, you know, widely known. I, I like to think, but for, for <laughs> once, once you're on there, Once you're on the book in, in Vegas, I think you're we're, we're good, right, Mitch? Well, it, I think so. Well, and we've talked about it on this podcast before. Maybe not this one, but during the season, I did the uh, Friday gambling show with Gary Grambling and Jimmy Traina, and we would talk about the octopus frequently. But so basically, it's when a player scores a touchdown, and then the same player scores the two-point conversion. And this happened, Torrey Smith did it in 2018, and I noticed it while I was watching the game, and I just tweeted, like, there should be a name for this. <laughs> like, what do we call this? I like it. And then it was one of my friends who suggested the octopus, and I said, yeah, that's perfect. We'll call it the octopus. Um, and then I wrote an article about it last year, sort of uh, coining the phrase, and I wrote about the history of it, and I listed, uh, thanks to some help from Pro Football Reference, I got a list of every octopus ever and found out that Todd Gurley and Randy Moss had the career record with three each, and Bryce Wood, our graphics guy, made this great graphic of like Todd Gurley reaching an octopus across the pylon, and so I just wrote this thing, and then it took off a little bit, and it was very fun, because then during the season, I was obviously watching for it. It's just become habit now that when the team lines up to go for two, my eyes just scan, like, okay, where's the guy who scored the touchdown? <laughs> I'm like, let's see it happen here. And people were tweeting at me all season whenever it was close or if they saw one, and it was just a lot of fun. And then Caesars made it a prop bet, like you said, Jenny. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was going to be the highlight. I was like, wow, we've made it. What The crazy thing, <laughs> talking about a big year, it ended up being really popular. It was the it was Caesars' biggest liability of any prop bet on the board because Wild. everybody no one's gonna bet no octopus right and right the odds are set up that people were betting yes so they were they were gonna be out uh the quote was high six figures these are other reporters were then <laughs> reporting on this and tweeting about it and if there was an octopus it would have been very bad for them um but as you said there wasn't um, so it was, a, it was a really fun year for me to take this thing that I made up on Twitter in 2018 and then released into the world in 2019 and then watch it grow over the next year. Yeah. So we had to, give out, had to give out awards. Yeah. It's funny that it came up on media night, too, because that night I was actually asking Chiefs players about this play that Andy Reid had drawn up called Dr. Octopus. Um, and it was right. like all of these routes across the field, which you can imagine when you draw it up, it looks like a lot of legs. And then he was saying it was kind of representative of his – time in Kansas City and that it carried meaning to a lot of different people. Um, but anyways, back to the Octopus Award. So you picked your favorite octopus. Now, you can describe it. My initial um, question was if the octopus you picked as the best octopus of the year was influenced at all by the fact that you saw it live. Amazingly, I went to two football games last season. I went to the Super Bowl and I went to the Bills Texans wild card game when Deshaun Watson had the octopus of the year. It, that influenced it a little bit, but it was also, I mean, this was a great <laughs> octopus. First off, it's in the playoffs, it's on that stage. 
And so I have a spreadsheet tracking them where you've got the score of every game. And so some of them, it's fun when a team's down by eight and they tie it or... Uh, when the team's down by seven and they take the lead on the octopus. This was a classic. The Texans were down 16 nothing, and they cut the lead in half. And they needed two touchdowns and two two-point conversions, and they actually got it and sent the game to overtime. It was like a great play where Deshaun yeah. Watson runs it in from 20 yards out. I think I embedded the highlight in the story. And then the two-point conversion, he's out running out to the right and diving for the pylon again. And, uh, you know, the the stage, the octopus, the player, all of it, it, it all contributes. But I thought it was pretty clear that this was the best one we saw. And a nice little treat that I happened to be there in person. Yeah, I agree. It was definitely the best one last year. And you happened to be there. Um, I, I did which... chicken out. I could have raised my hand in the uh, Deshaun Watson press conference after the game and said, <laughs> Deshaun, you know. What do you think, Octopus of the Year? And and nobody in the room would have had any idea what I was talking about. This was a month before it was the Super Bowl prop bet. Um, you know, you uh, Bob McLean and whoever else, the, the Texans media and all all the folks who were there. It would have been uh, it would have been a it would have been a bold move for me to step in and ask him about the octopus uh, as if he knew it. Um, but I, you know, I chickened out. I'll, I'll until I get the opportunity to talk to a player about an octopus post game, I will regret that. I was going to say take it to my grave, but I like to think at some point in my life uh, I'll redeem myself. But the, it was a little. You should, bit you should call. You should try to get girly. Like you should definitely try. To, yeah, you should try to get girly. Like, cause that, I, that that's I think he would actually like this. Like, I I think, should, so I I tweeted and so Todd Gurley I gave him the bronze medal octopus of the year. It was a lifetime achievement. He yeah he set the the career record. He was tied with Randy Moss. He had a fourth one, took the lead. So I did mention the I very thirsty of me and I don't always do this, but I did tweet with the like with the uh, gold handle. medal emoji and I mentioned all three of them. And Sean Watson did fave the tweet. I don't know if that was him or one of his people. I was like, Deshaun, you got to reply or retweet. But we did get the Deshaun Watson fave. Um, so they're aware of it. I did reach out to the Texans and ask if they'd make it. But it was such a crazy summer. And this was in, like, March or April, I asked yeah. them, and with everything going on. And I was like, that's fine. I don't, I don't want to <laughs> yeah. know, push uh, and, and be a bother. But, yeah, I think at some point I may have to talk to Todd Gurley. Who is yeah. – like, uh, like, how many active players are there with multiple then other than Gurley? Well, there's um, a handy chart in Mitch's story is here. There? But this is all-time individual octopus leaders, so it's not on. just active is players. There? Right, but Hold we on. could – hang on a second, and I'll pull up – I. But I Todd also, Gurley is the oh, leading is, yeah. all-time individual octopus leader with four. He is one better than Randy Moss. So, Devontae, so, so threats to Gurley right now would be Devontae Adams. With two. Alvin Kamara has two. He's definitely a threat. Yeah. I mean, um, Antonio Brown, I, like, like, we'll see. Also, that's in the original uh, article that I wrote a year ago. I said Antonio Brown was a, a perfect threat to take over, and then he, uh, you know, has, has played one game since. Right. So I guess the only active guy, so would be Randall Cobb. Oh, Nate Burleson's in there. How about that? Uh, yeah, we got to get them talking about this on Good Morning Football. We're going to have yeah. to reach out to You know them. what? I'm, I, I can reach out to Nate for you. We have um, – <laughs> Devon, so there are three, right? Like so, it's well, other than other than Gurley, it's Adams, it's Kamara, and Devontae Adams did have his second one on Sunday Night Football during the season. That was yeah. a, an honorable mention. And it's us. Randall Cobb. Those are the yeah. I, I think, right? Those are the only three that Those have multiple. Ones, yeah. Oh, Greg Olson. Um, Greg, Greg Olson. Olson. Well, oh, Greg yeah, Olson. I didn't scroll down far <clears> enough. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I mean, I Kamara's a threat 
Honestly, though, I mean, Deshaun Watson, who only has one, he could easily get another one. Even like, a, you know, a guy like Lamar Jackson, who doesn't have any. My um, money. Would that be on, is I'm, shocking. I, I, I'm with you, though. My 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 money would be on Kamara because of all like the like you could totally see, you know, it's just the direct snap stuff, whatever it is, like the stuff that he like, like the Peyton would do with Kamara. And, like and in so that's situations. A big part of it is the teams that go for two a lot. Like Tomlin had that year a few years ago where he just went crazy going for two all yeah. the time, like first touchdown of the game. What's interesting about Gurley, he is the only player ever who had two in a single game because it was a game two years ago when uh, Johnny Hecker got hurt and they had their – or not Johnny Hecker um, – who uh, Zerline? Legatron Zerline got hurt, and so Johnny Hecker kicked a field goal, and so they were just going for two on most of their touchdowns instead of kicking the uh, longer extra point with their punter, and so that sort of, that inflated his totals a little bit, and a lot of it's just circumstances and who knows what happens, but so much of it comes down to being on the type of team. That's actually why I think Lamar Jackson, even though he doesn't have any yet, could be mm-hmm. a sleeper because the Ravens and what they're doing, and I could see them going for two a lot, and and. You know, I I would I'd put it on the board that I would expect Jackson to have one next season. Okay, so that would be your like <laughs> octopi producer to watch. Yeah, the watch list. <laughs> the watch <laughs> list. <Exactly>. The octopi. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Okay, Kyler, so then Kyler on Murray. eight. Yes, on I, eight eight, you should mm-hmm. do an octopi watch list, Mitch. Ooh, oh my God, that this is now asking a lot for me to publish two <laughs> stories on the octopus in the off season. We're gonna have to clear this uh, with the editors. <laughs> no, I, I think I think I like that eight eight octopus watch list. Let's do you know it. What, forgive me if I've missed <laughs> this. Is there a quarterback list too, like of like guys who've thrown? Mm. Like Albert, like, this does not count. You got to score all the points. I know. I know. Otherwise, it's a much I know it doesn't count, list. but it would be interesting to see if like who's done that. They're mo- out okay. there. It's it's a it's a much bigger list though, and yeah. and less. Rare the numbers would be bigger. Passing. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Exactly. This is way like, easier to, it's way easier to accomplish. And you it would have be to just be the one. Yeah. With the you have to be the one crossing the goal line. Right. Yeah. With the ball. Yeah. Got to score all the points. Okay. That's what made Deshaun Watson's exciting. Aaron Rodgers had one the year before that was fun and a big comeback against the Jets. So anyway, this is uh, this is the only thing I do on Sundays. I just watch <laughs> I just watch Red Zone, waiting for Octopi, <laughs> and uh, you're welcome to join me. Um, I now I get people tweeting at me when they see one in a college game that I'm not watching. Somebody because uh, you know I have a bunch of Eagles fans who follow me. Someone during quarantine at one point was watching an Eagles Cowboys game from like 2017 and they texted me like or tweeted at me Corey Clement just had an octopus in the 2017 Eagles Cowboys game that I'm watching I was like thanks we didn't know the term existed at the time uh, but I'm happy to know about it now retroactively so this I guess if you have to be known for something uh, I'm fine being known for this I can be the octopus guy I mean I leaned into it I have the octopus in my Twitter name in my display name um, so if anyone's ever wondered why, this is the reason. Yeah, let, let's keep an eye on Clyde's, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, too, here. with the. Uh, I think he would be, just because, like Jenny mentioned, a- Andy Reid's uh, creativity. And he's just like a fun player that I think Andy, like, I, I think like they're really going to go to the lab with how to use this guy, both you know, both Andy and, and Eric Bieniemy. So I, I'd put 
like let me just put Clyde Edwards Alaire on your uh, on your octopus uh, on your watch radar. list. Yeah, on your watch list. Will there, will there be eight <laughs> players on the watch list? Ooh, I think there have to be. I think there that's you great. go. Probably, <laughs> yeah. And like Lamar Jackson wears number eight. I mean, he's really yeah. just like an octopus waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be the uh, that's the tweet to tease this episode of the podcast. Lamar Jackson is an octopus waiting to happen. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, Jenny. <laughs> great. Glad I could help. All right. Should we move on to our final segment where we quickly uh, we start off with what have we been up to? But we end with one good thing, which was a Jenny idea way back, seemingly months ago. I guess it was actually months ago. But do you guys want to share one good thing from this week? All right. To go first. I got mine. So I mentioned I visited my parents, but a lot of good things came out of the visit. But one that's very 2020 is that my mother is something of a pack rat. Um, She accumulates items in her basement and, you know, accumulates items she thinks I might need a few years from now. But the benefit of this, despite the fact that general pack rat tendencies give me the shakes a little bit because I live in a small New York apartment. So like you can't really accumulate things here. But anyways, my mother had before the pandemic accumulated a nice supply of Clorox wipes. So as you know, very difficult to still buy Mm -hmm. Clorox wipes. So I went home and I got a nice three pack of Clorox wipes, which I hadn't seen in months. And so I brought those back with me to New York. So this was a time when it is good to be a stockpiler of household supplies. I feel like that's nice. still like the, I feel like that's a still that's the one thing that's still like when you walk into the grocery store the shelf is still empty like yes, 100% like most of them they've done a good job of getting everything else where it needs to be like even like paper towels I don't think we have as much of a problem anymore but those Clorox wipes are like like you cannot find them empty and, shelves yeah and like articles are coming out where they say you know it's really it's airborne and surfaces are not uh, the best right. way to but but yeah. still so many people and I'm in this category too like I rented a car this weekend <clears throat> and went down to the Phillies game and then something else I'm going to talk about in a minute but like the car they're disinfecting the rental cars and I'm still mm-hmm. I got it and I brought Clorox wipes and I'm wiping down the steering wheel and the dashboard and the vents and people who are waiting for their cars are looking at me like oh, come on and I'm like oh, you think I'm the idiot like no like you're not going to give me that look <laughs> like I'm wiping down this car <laughs> like I don't care uh, like you can wait two minutes for me to wipe down uh you know everything my hands are going to touch this weekend um and so yeah i i mm. good for you i totally get that <laughs> that's a nice feeling knowing you've got all the clorox wipes right. congratulations yeah. up. thank you thank yeah. you big moment be, be, be judicious with those jenny yeah yeah <laughs> um i'll go i i uh uh, like so, at, I'll be I'll be the suburban dad here again, and I I uh, you know childcare is challenging um, right now, and uh, you know you're around your kids a lot, and you're looking for stuff for them to do. So uh, friends of ours um, who we've like kind of like got a little like almost like a pod of people that we just we hang out with. It's like two other groups of kids and um, and their parents, and uh, th- one of uh, one of my wife's best friends here in town. I'll, I'll give her a shout out here. Peyton Connolly has basically opened her pool to, uh, to, to us and to this other group, this other family. And, um, you know, like it's just, I feel like, you know, as you struggle to find things for your kids to do, it's like other people doing nice things for you really helps. And, you know, giving them the activities, like, like my kids get excited to go to the pool now. And, um, you know, like we can't like in our town, like, you actually like the you know health club that we're part of you actually have to sign up for an appointment to go to the pool there 
And so like, that's kind of a non-starter when you get little kids. And so, you know, the fact that like, I think, I think in a lot of these towns, you've got like little groups of people that get together and are just helping each other out. And the value of having a pool right now, if you have little kids is huge. And so, um, you know, we're very careful about everything, of course, but I just, you know, I want to give, I want to give the Connollys a shout out because it's, uh, it's incredible the way that like other people are willing to help you out and, 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 and like make sure that you're giving your kids the best experience as they go through this. That's a nice one. Yeah. I could use a pool yeah. <laughs> if, any, if any neighbors want to open their pool for me. Um, a little tougher to find around here. Yeah. Um, you're right. I mean, we, everyone focuses on the negatives so much all the time, but there have been so many stories about just people helping other people and being there for each other. And that's been very nice to see also over the last few months. I think Albert, you had a tweet about how, uh, COVID has the uh, the morons have been exposed in the last month. I think nice nice people have been exposed yeah. too. That tweet doesn't go uh, doesn't spread as far maybe as your tweet about morons. But I think I, I will say somebody somebody like fired me up about something stupid that happened that were that that, that was that was not an unprompted tweet. That was yeah. <laughs> I saw some, I saw a couple of really dumb things that fired me up, and so yeah, I guess it was a little bit of a subtweet. Fair enough. We all need to subtweet every now yeah. and then. So I mentioned that I uh, going to a live sporting event felt like something that wouldn't happen. I did another thing this weekend that I didn't think I would do. I actually went to a wedding on Saturday, which was really nice. Um, it was a good friend of mine who I've known since we were literally one year old. We've known each other for over 30 years. And, you know, so many people have had their wedding dates and you plan it so far in advance. And some people have canceled or, or postponed for a year until hopefully when things are better. And then you've seen a lot of people instead just do the backyard wedding and have it on Zoom and things. And so they were playing around with the date and didn't know what they were going to do. And then they decided they were going to do just family on the original date. And then because things got better in New York and the wedding was on Long Island, they decided pretty late in the game that the bride and groom would both invite three friends plus their spouses. And it was a social distance wedding. People wore masks. There was no dancing. It was just the ceremony and then sit down outdoors under a tent for a meal and still like speeches and toasts and things. And, you know, the bride and groom did their first dance and they had a cake. So it was obviously, it was not the wedding they dreamed of having with a huge number of people, but it was actually very nice and well done and everyone felt safe there. And so it was just very nice to be able to be there and, um, a cool moment. The, there was a group of four of us who we've all known each other for that long. Um, and two of the guys I hadn't seen in a long time. And then the groom I'm in touch with a lot more, um, obviously. And uh, it was just very nice to, to go to a wedding and, like, you know, put on. I, I wore pants, <laughs> like, you know, I dressed like a real person. <laughs> like, it felt nice to, to be like a human being with a social event. Um, and, you know, they did a good job with it. Um, obviously, you know, there were like grandparents there, so they weren't going to do anything risky. This was not going to be a super spreader event. Um, but it was really nice to be able to go to a wedding uh, in the middle of a pandemic, which they were able to do because the state of New York has done a good job and everyone was careful and did it safely. And even they had the chairs set up during the ceremony, six feet away from everyone else. And it was outside and people wore masks. I don't want to give people the wrong idea. And like, uh, you know, but, uh, it was very safe and careful and it was really nice to be able to go and, uh, be there on my friend's big day and, uh, be a part of that. That's so, awesome. That's, that's my one good thing. That's <laughs> awesome. Cause you hear some, I mean, I, I've had two friends who've Who've done what you met, what you mentioned, which is like just got married with very very small groups and postponed. And I think a lot of those people are planning on having parties next year or whatever. Um, actually, a friend who was going to get married in Switzerland 
uh, this summer, and I had to cancel it in May because they had to cancel it in May because they weren't allowing U.S. citizens in. So I think a lot of people are like facing these sorts of situations. So it's that's awesome that they could actually do something with more than just family there. Yeah, and they did have the Zoom set up, and I know a lot of people did watch there, people from farther away who couldn't yeah. travel or just given the limited numbers. We did say we owe him a bachelor party. Uh, this is gonna. This is my theory that I think you're going to see just a wave of bachelor and bachelorette parties after the fact. Like, I think that's just people are going to be ready to get out and go on <laughs> vacation. I think in the next year, you're going to see people with upcoming weddings and weddings that have passed. Yeah, it's maybe we just phase out this archaic tradition. Mm, <laughs> or maybe the wedding too. industry kind of constricts a little bit, which I think is pretty necessary. Oh, I, like, trust me, trust me, trust me. I paid for a wedding. I like it is like it's like college tuition. It's like I think there are going to be some things reevaluated after all of this. Yeah. I hope so. I mean, as a bridesmaid, I've spent thousands of dollars (laughs) on friends' weddings. So I hope that the industry constricts a little bit. I think that's more in line with like what weddings should be. It's just like a few people that you really care about, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, I, yeah, like I said, like I think a lot of things coming out of this, we're going to look at the numbers of some of the things and like what we've been spending on. And it's just, it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely, it's, yeah. So we don't need to turn this into something that is not, right? (laughs) Right. We're an hour into the podcast. At this point, anyone who's uh, still listening to us is a big, loyal fan of the show. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been fun, as always. Never know exactly what we're going to end up talking about here on the Weekend Review podcast. Um, but Jenny, Albert, this was a fun one. And uh, hopefully we'll have Connor back when we do this again next week. And so thanks, everyone, for tuning in and listening. Make sure you subscribe to the M- to the uh, what's it called? The MMQB NFL podcast. Is that what it's called? So now I'm having you a got it that time. We're doing it in the morning. Uh, usually we do this in the afternoon and I'm more alert. I don't know. Um, it's not that early in the morning. Anyway, subscribe to the podcast. You'll get shows five days a week. You'll get the week side podcast with Jenny and Connor. You'll get Albert's podcast. You get Gary and Andy on Monday mornings. So make sure you check it out. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. And uh, check out everything we're writing at the MMQB, and we'll catch you again next week. There's plenty to celebrate in March, and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know... What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN.
Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.